0: The Property pod. 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 Welcome to the Property Pod with MoneyWeb. The property sector is an ever-changing sector, and in this podcast series, your host Suren Naidu chats to movers and shakers in the property industry.
1: Welcome to the Property Pod. The listed property or real estate investment trust sector in South Africa is up around 25% year-to-date according to the All Property Index, or LP, of the GSE. That's from a total return perspective. From a market cap position, the sector is up around 20% and its total market capitalization around $398 billion currently. Between 2018 and COVID-2020, the listed property sector was the worst-performing asset class. However, the strong recovery has seen the sector return as the top-performing asset class for 2021 year-to-date. Joining us now on this episode of The Property Pod is newly appointed fund manager and head of property at Stanlib, Nessie Chetty. We are talking about the sector's performance this year, including the winners and losers and his hot stock picks. Welcome to The Property Pod, Nessie. Thanks, Jiren. Congratulations on your new position at Stanlib. Nessie, listed property has staged quite a comeback. Uh, You've been covering the sector for over a decade. How would you describe the sector's performance this year after the fallout of 2020 due to COVID-19 and the lockdowns?
0: Yeah, so I think we must maybe contrast the recovery in property performance we have seen this year uh, versus the impact on the sector last year. The beginning of March last year was effectively when, when South Africa uh, went into very harsh level five lockdown. Um, and most global economies uh, were partially closed for, for retail trade. Uh, if I look at the South African market and especially the property companies, uh, it was only essential retail that was able to trade in, uninterrupted, uh, while large parts of non-essential, including big retail categories like liquor, were shut down. Mm. So this had a very negative impact on, on the property market going into lockdown um, due to reduced footfalls and also putting tremendous pressure on uh, on the property tenant base. Uh, we saw a sharp, sharp drawdown in the market in, in 2020. Um, if you look at the OLP, the OLP was down some, just in March alone, 37%. Um, and, and I guess the, the second half of the year, you did see uh some recovery in the property sector. Uh, I think if you look at the, the second half of, of last year and even uh, the first 10 months of this year, uh, the property companies put quite a bit of intervention measures in place to get them back to a position uh, where they were not only profitable, but able to pay uh, a lot more in terms of distributions. Uh, if I look at the start of the, the response from the sector was very positive. Uh, a lot of the companies in the market use this opportunity to re- rebase rentals. Um, certainly where leases were looking over rented and putting strain on the business, uh, they went in, um, and fixed some of that, um, the, 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 pressure on, on reversion, the top line hasn't gone away. I think in certain segments like office offices. But the property market did quite a, quite a bit in terms of tenant relief. And I look at the quantum of it, almost $3 billion, um over 20, 2020. Uh, they've also used this period to improve liquidity and, and I guess prop up the balance sheet. Uh, a lot of the focus last year was LTVs and, and interest cover and covenants. Um, we've shifted away from that this year into an environment where I think uh, capital raisings have improved. Hmm. And, and certainly you're seeing dis- distribution visibility uh, pick up as well.
1: Three billion is a big amount. I think in the UK or some other countries they have government support, and the rich sector didn't have much government support. Uh, so that's quite a big amount, but the sector is still down from a three-year period. I'm not sure about a, a five-year perspective. Give us some context on this. What's the likelihood of listed property continuing its recovery into next year?
0: Yeah, so Serena, I guess if you look at the last five years in the in the listed property sector, you've had Two periods of maybe very extreme volatility. Um I think if you look at twenty eight, when we had the issues around resilient and and vo Viceroy, there was a big drawdown in the market. If I look at 2020 um and the start of of, of maybe COVID and lockdown restrictions, we had another period of, of extreme volatility, I would say, in both the SATP and the ULP. Um I think if we look at the characteristics of, of property over time is that investors have been attracted to the sectors because of the, the income yield characteristics and, and that hasn't gone away uh, i think you've seen a reset in earnings basis for most companies um, and what you will tend to see i guess is a lot more stable performance from the listed property counters um and that stability will will come because a lot of them are, are focusing focusing on still de-gearing for for the for the remainder of 2021 and into next year as well so LTVs are still high, but all most companies, if I look at across the large and the, and the smaller cap properties have a plan to get between to between 35 and 40% uh, LTV. Um, I think property companies will still look to recycle, uh, out of underperforming assets and, and especially, and specifically sectors where vacancies are high to look and uh, acquire other assets in either logistics or externalize as well. We, we've seen companies like resilient in 2021 look to acquire assets in France um, and D this maybe some of the sa portfolio so that would probably tend to mean that you know into into next year uh, you still get a, a fairly healthy yield even while payout ratios in the sector are improving from the low 75 80 percent um, and start to tick upwards as well but I think you it, it, it must be sort of emphasized that you know the volatility of property is somewhere in between bonds and and, and equity um, and I think if I look at our return expectations for for property even in a weak SA growth environment uh where the sector is a covering of a very low base uh we think the sector on a one year basis and that's our our base case built on sort of four to six percent distribution growth and a and a bond yield closer to nine uh a one year return of probably thirteen or fourteen percent total return um on a four-year view if we assume property is maybe at a three percent spread relative to, to bonds, uh, we can get a four-year compound growth in excess of 14%. So property, very attractive, still on a yield basis and total return relative to to bonds, uh, equity, and and also cash as well. Uh, I think also important to mention that in an interest rate hiking cycle, it's only late into the cycle that you see that outperformance of property relative to to cash and bonds.
1: Nessie, which have been the best performing and worst performing RITs this year? And what would you say are the stocks in the sector to watch going forward? Your top or hot stock picks, as they say?
0: Yeah, so certainly if I I look at the, I guess, some of the smaller and more illiquid shares were maybe sold off a lot more aggressively even before COVID. So if I look at the the year-to-date performance, I mean, the likes of uh, Dupula B is up some 170%. Texton is up 140%. Um, Arrowheads are also up some 60 percent i mean those are the ones were sold off a lot aggressively uh, about a year year and a half ago if i look at the more maybe established companies in the sector like uh, uh Vukile, a very strong performance since the beginning of the year up some 70 percent um mass real estate which has assets in in in, in romania up some 55 percent and it's interesting like a company like resilient uh, which went into COVID with, with probably one of the better balance sheets and, and, and very low gearing, uh, up some 46%. If I look at the underperformers in the sector, um, Fortress B came under a lot of pressure. And I think there's, uh, there was a lot of uncertainty regarding the, the potential prospect for dividends being paid out to Fortress B shareholders. Uh, Baldwin came under pressure as well, down some 18%. Um, uh, and then, Capital and, and regional, which is uh, an, an asset in the UK that Point bought, uh, was down some 22%. Um, I think what you'll still see in the property market into next year is very really wide diver- divergences in performance um, as the different companies pursue maybe various strategies in terms of local and offshore. But I also think what's important is that there's secular trends that will start to emerge where active management will be important in terms of stock picking. And you certainly see that in terms of, our companies are recycling assets. In terms of stock picks, I mean, the two companies I think we, we continue to like because of not just the the portfolio characteristics, but what what they offer to the fund um, is is Iron Gate, which is the old Investec Australia business. Uh, operationally, a very good portfolio. They mostly in metropolitan offices and industrial. Uh, they've they've successfully internalized their management company and. Uh, it's a tenant base. If I look at the top three spread, it, spread across the government, technology and industrials, which is holding up in that Australian market. We like the lease terms in Iron Gate. Uh, so very attractive mm-hmm. whales of about five um, and strong portfolio occupancy at 98. There is an offer on the table from, from an active shareholder, but we think it at 165 Aussie dollar. It probably undervalues the, the, the company. Uh, the other one we like also, um, I think is Nepe Rockcastle. Um, If we think about where we can pick up cheap offshore exposure uh, into an environment where the rand might weaken, um, we like the dominant retail characteristics of Nepi. Uh, The management team have very been very cautious the last 18 months. Uh, Low liquidity, uh, low LTV with the very high levels of liquidity. So it's almost uh, 1.2, 1.2 billion of euros that they're building up. Um, Trading restrictions have been eased in those economies, so they're probably back to 99 hundred percent, let's call it operational GLA, but we like the, the development pipeline and we think where, where, where funding rates are versus where the yields are, there's still a, a very healthy gap between the two. And at, I think at, a, at, a, at 102, for us, it makes sense to, to be in something that's giving you a, a very attractive forward yield in euros.
1: Nessie, I see that you've mentioned uh, both offshore funds. Um, on the local front, what piques your interest?
0: Yeah. So if I look at the local side, I mean, we still like, I think, Bukile. Um, it's one that's been strong yet today, But I think if I look at the portfolio over time, um, uh, it's one where the South African portfolio is still very defensive. Um, we think the lower end of the market, particularly food into 2022 will still continue to outperform the super regionals. Um, more than 45% of assets are in Castellana and we like that. Uh, we, we think over time, this is one where there's certainly a, uh, a strong balance sheet recovery that's happening, um, on the local front offshore, you know, we also like, uh, Equitas as well, um, very healthy development pipeline. Um, we think there's potential for, for, for cap rate compression, uh, in the offshore portfolio, but I think they, the ability for, for Equitas to go in and, and, and take up 10 to 15 year leases at very attractive yields. Uh, like they've done with the recent acquisition at about 7.3, 7.4, um, it gives them a lot of flexibility longer term to to maintain that, that distribution uh, growth. And there's no problem raising equity, I guess, in any of those com- companies that I've mentioned now.
1: Turning to the July riots and looting largely in KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng, how has this affected some of the retail and logistics landlords in, in particular? Uh, what has the impact been? I know that most of them will get some of the money back through damage and loss of income. Maybe you want to go into some of the funds that have been affected.
0: Yeah. So if we look at on the on the listed side, I mean the the big funds that have been affected have been SA Corporate, where the damage was close to about five hundred and fifty million plus. Um, it's only about 3.5% of GLA, and they've got uh, claims cover up to to a billion. Uh, the big centers that would have been impacted there would have been Springfield Value. And uh, so that center was, to large extent, destroyed. Um, but I think there's a timeline to get it operational by October of next year. Uh, Fortress is another fund that has retail and logistics exposure. Certainly, some of their logistics assets in Conuvia down in Durban were impacted. Um but the estimated damage is anywhere between, let's call it, 400 million plus. Um, and they've got adequate cover, up to one and a half billion. Uh, if I look at their portfolio, it's been Penubia and, and Bayela, which has been the worst impacted. And one must remember also, and I mean, at some of the properties, it was uh, structures, uh, fixtures, fittings, glass that was damaged. Other properties that were, uh, were extensive, like a, uh, like maybe a bukile, where you had fire uh, fire damage on the property is going to take a, a lot longer for those properties to to get to a stage to rebuild um, but i've been impressed i mean we were on the ground and we saw i mean the likes of uh, shoprite uh, massmart uh, three days after looting uh on on premise at some of those assets looking to to rebuild uh the market hasn't priced uh any of these events as a crisis um i mean the the market impact was was very muted uh distribution impact very muted i think longer term uh, what you would see is things like insurance premiums increase in the, the sector uh, and maybe companies look to employ more sophisticated security in um, and in retail and potentially also auto warehouses as well.
1: Thanks for that, Nessie. On a concluding note, we are seeing many listed property companies spending a lot more time on disclosure from an ESG perspective, that's environment, social and governance issues Jersey listed companies and even global companies are increasingly looking at ESG, but the property sector had quite a few announcements over recent months around ESG. From a Stanlib perspective, how much weight are you putting into ESG considerations when it comes to investments into various rich stocks?
0: Yeah, so, so I mean, our, our clients at StanLab have entrusted us with their wealth and savings to deliver long-term returns. Uh, through the protection and growth of the capital, uh, we as a business believe that ESG is a material consideration for us um, in delivering risk return, adjusted risk, uh, adjusted returns to our clients. Um, and I guess as active owners, we have the ability to influence corporates in the property sectors um, and the entities we invest in to incorporate ESG ESG factors. Um, I think if you look at our business, we signatories of the PRR and also endorse PISA. So we seek to follow the principles that are set out in those codes. If I look at the, the property companies uh, over the last couple of years, I mean, the the historic focus in the sector used to be uh, particularly just on governance and and manco structures and, and cross shareholdings and maybe suboptimal board structures. And I think the focus has maybe shifted away from that. Uh, if I look at the property companies now, uh, a lot of emphasis and also analysis is being spent on looking at uh, how much they're spending on solar, uh, their capex and water initiatives, uh, and their over, overall investment in renewables. I think each company in the property sector has a plan and is committed to maybe a net zero carbon equipment by 2030. Uh, but property companies are in are maybe a, a better position in, in some other sectors because they've been doing green buildings and, uh, and contributing, um, to that in, in their space. So, It's not just only the, I guess, the ESG factors that we're analyzing as well. These companies are also issuing sustainable uh, bonds as well on the financing side, which is becoming a bigger portion of the sector. In terms of how we we, we rate and risk them, uh, we explicitly build a a risk premium for ESG into our models. Uh, So our our, our risk discount rate has a uh, inclusion for this and we're able to, to relatively rank the companies based on a, a quantitative uh, uh, framework uh, which looks at each of those inputs as well i think also it, it's it's important not to forget maybe that uh, if i look at the various components for this year what's been topical in property has been remuneration schemes uh, a lot of those in the property sectors are, are underwater because of significantly low share prices uh, we're not in favor of sort of long term excessive schemes we like to see some elements of deferral and as a big property investor, working with the companies on that. Um, I've been pleasantly surprised, I guess, on the social side, all of them are doing their bit in terms of charitable foundations uh, and their educational trust incentives. I think maybe just to conclude on this, Surin, that if I look at KPIs now in the property sector versus maybe five or 10 years ago, there's a larger component of of senior management and executive KPIs that are now linked to to ESG uh, as well. So that's very nice to see. So, the industry is being very reactive
1: on this front. That's uh, interesting to hear and uh, to watch going forward. Nessie, thank you so much for your time and insight. That was Nessie Chetty, Fund Manager and Head of Property at StanLib.
0: Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Property Pod with Suren Naidu. Brought to you by Asset, South Africa's leading digital commercial property magazine. To listen to more episodes, go to moneyweb.co.za or the moneyweb app and follow moneyweb news for daily updates. Follow Seren on Twitter at Naidu for more of his property industry content and other
1: business stories. The Property Pod. Pod Pod.